everybody welcome to true crime paranormal with the psychic sisters i'm christy brower here with my sister co-host and partner in crime katie weaver hey katie how's it going hello it's going well glad to hear it it is we have beautiful weather today we will take it yes while we can get it (laughs) yes for sure although this show is airing live we are not actually live no. This is a pre-recorded version of the case update show on Wednesday night. Now, we normally do it live, of course, but one of our brilliant and talented nieces is graduating from high school tonight. So, yes. we made the executive decision mm-hmm. <laughs> to pre-record this. So, it's airing live, so it feels like it's alive and we'll probably jump in and out of the chat a little bit as we can. Um, oh, yeah. We kind of wanted to share the best of both worlds, which is graduation and the Wednesday night case update show. <laughs> Turns out with technology, yes, you can. Yes, so, yeah, you, you can. can watch for us in the chat. We're going to have some boring downtime, so we'll be hanging out with you guys. We will. But, you know, as usual, the crime world is exploding. You know, it is. And weirdly, most of what we have to talk about. Well, some of it is updates on cases we've covered, but some of it is just flat out insanity that mm-hmm. we felt the need to pass along to you. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Well, as welcome. far as current cases, like a lot of things don't happen over Memorial Day weekend, you yeah. know, and so it's kind yeah. of a slow update week, but there's lots sure. going on. Yeah, there is. We're going to start with some sad news out of Yellowstone Park. Now, we often share what we call Toron stories, which are a Toron is a tourist moron. And uh, it's not we're a nice fam- term, but it is an accurate term sometimes when you live it near is. Yellowstone. Yes. Yeah. When you live near a national park, you know that um, visitors to such places occasionally remove themselves from the gene pool by making really bad choices. And that happened this week. A woman was gored by a buffalo in Yellowstone mm-hmm. Park. She was thrown 10 feet in the air mm-hmm. and she did die. She, mm-hmm. she, she didn't die on scene, but she did die later mm-hmm. of her injuries, which were very sad. And we're not making fun of her death at all. We just want to remind people that if you are, you know, visiting national parks, those mm-hmm. animals that live in those national parks are real live wild animals and they're dangerous and they will kill you. Mm -hmm. Um, This kind of um, accident happens in Yellowstone Park multiple times a summer. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people survive, sometimes they don't. Mm -hmm. I don't know what makes people think that giant buffalo are safe to go walk up to. But they are not at all. They are not. The joke is don't pet the fluffy cows. They yeah. aren't fluffy cows. They are not. They are dangerous. Cows. And those horns, and that's what got her. She she was punctured by one of mm-hmm. the horns and thrown in the air. But uh, people that saw it happen said that she was ten feet, ten feet. <sighs> and what's crazy to me at Yellowstone is the rule is twenty five feet. Mm-hmm. Even twenty five feet is too insane. Damn close. Yeah. 
it really is um, the 10 feet. Uh, those buffalo can run three times as fast as humans. So 10 feet, no. You're not going to survive that if it decide if it decides to come after you, it's going to. So, you know, I mean, it, it's it's deaths from buffalo that we see more than anything in Yellowstone. I mean, oh, yeah. We do see bear deaths as well, but they aren't as common. No. And occasionally moose stompings because, again, yeah. do not pet the very tall, fluffy cows. Moose mm -hmm. are very aggressive. Or um, elk in the fall during rut. They're yeah. <laughs> right up around where people are at. And yeah. They are sex crazed. They will hurt you. They will hurt you. Yeah. There's a there's a town in Yellowstone Park called Mammoth. And Mammoth is overrun by elk. And it's beautiful to get to see them. I mean, you can see them up close, way closer than you would really anywhere else that I can think of. Mm -hmm. But they are wild animals with huge racks of horns on their heads. Like, mm -hmm. do not get close to them. So this is the first um, buffalo goring of the year. We're sorry to hear about it. We're sorry to the woman's family. Okay. Um, I have to say something. Mm. It's possible she did not die. Oh. Today has just issued a correction. Oh. Okay. On their article. Uh, just this morning, they issued a correction that she has survived and was not killed. It. <laughs> boy, it depends on the article you're looking at. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the the but, one that I read initially said that she was injured, but uh -huh. survived. So today so. had reported that she had died. So did a few other places, but now they're saying that she actually is in a hospital here in Idaho, and her condition is unknown. But she was was not killed. So hopefully oh. that's true. Gosh, sometimes true. it's so yes. hard with the media. Yeah. It is. It is. Definitely. Well, and local media, to be fair, has not reported her death. So that's probably mm -hmm. the most accurate. It, it yeah. generally is. Yeah. Well, I'm very glad to hear that. Um, but again, please don't try to pet the buffalo. They, they will hate hurt you very badly. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Katie, we have a small update in the Daybell Vallow case, if you want to share that. Yeah. So, as we know, they were in court just last week uh, arguing about how to proceed because Lori has not raved her white, right to a speedy trial, which typically means that the trial has to happen within six months of your uh, arraignment. Yeah. Which would have put the trial happening beginning in the end of October or mid-October. And... The prosecutor and Chad Daybell's camp weren't happy with that because they were supposed to go to trial in January of 2023. And so the argument has been either we have to sever, which the judge is really, really trying to avoid, or we have to bump Chad's trial up by a few months and go ahead and do it in October, or we have to move Lori's trial back and it's not necessarily a violation of her rights it's because of extenuating circumstances the judge can make that ruling uh, to go ahead and do it in January and that was the ruling that came down is that yes they are going to go ahead and do both trials together and they are going to happen in January of 2023 in Ada County the specifics are pretty much on the table now and still that's only six months away you know, that's going to yeah. be coming or seven months away, I guess. That's coming right up. It really is. It really so, is. Yeah. And, you know, 
I mean, I don't care when it happens. I just want it to happen. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So. So nothing huge again. there. Not a big surprise, really. No. And in my opinion, this is much better because if they did the trial in, if they started it there, they have slated this to last at least 12 weeks. Right. If they started this in October and they end up having to sequester a jury, that would take out all of the holidays. Right. You know, you're talking about Halloween. I mean, if you're me, that's a big deal. Um, <laughs> and potentially Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yeah. It seems like such a hardship to do a very long trial that time of year for the jury. And well, just- and also because, I mean, there's a lot of delays with courts through those yeah holidays the week of those holidays a lot of times there isn't any court like it would Mm -hmm. slow everything down i Mm -hmm. think you're so right about this it's so much better to just wait until january one of the concerns was that that's going to put people from southeast idaho traveling on bad roads and that's definitely still going to be the case uh yeah and sometimes that uh stretch of i-15 between uh or it's not i-15 84 84 uh between like pocatello and Boise gets really bad. That's yeah. still a very valid concern, but that's just one that we're going to have to work through because it's on like Donkey Kong. It's happening. I mean, the other option is to fly. You can fly from Idaho Falls to Boise for mm-hmm. very little money. It's a, it's like a 45 minute flight. It basically the plane goes up and goes back down. I've done mm-hmm. it a few times. And <laughs> it's true. There's a commuter flight. So yeah, that's there definitely is a possibility too. Yeah. For law enforcement. And whatnot that just need to be there for a day or two. So it's going to be an interesting time around here for sure. But that's what we know. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Well, yeah. at, at least, you know, we're, we're getting closer to things really happening. You know, mm-hmm. there's so much lead up to a trial like this. And so much crap that has to be argued about and decided. And, oh, mm-hmm. it just is endless. But we're getting there yeah. now. You know. Now, if we can just keep Lori out of the hospital, yeah, I'm that's still the... very concerned. Yeah, about well, that. I know that um, the defense was bringing on um, a neuropsych, yeah, to evaluate her mm-hmm. and actually bringing them on as a part of their team mm-hmm. to assist them in assessing her and if if she's up to the job here. Yeah. So that'll be interesting to see because and I think that's real smart. Mm-hmm. And they're just keeping a very close eye on and monitoring her, mm-hmm. you know, all the way along. Well, it's a, it's a very different strategy than we had before. Yeah. Because Mark Means wanted her to be in the hospital. Oh, yeah. he That's sure what did. he wanted because it made life easier for him because he, you know, was struggling to have a case. And so it was easier for him if she was just in the hospital for a while uh, it seems to me that the current public defender, uh, you know, Mr. Archibald wants to keep her out of the hospital, that that's mm-hmm. the goal. He's trying to get what she needs to keep her out of the hospital so that we can proceed. So big right. difference there in defense uh, strategy. Much more proactive this way. Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't benefit her to have to just continually hospitalize her over and over again no. and sit in limbo, Mm-mm. you know. It really doesn't help her. So no, that is. Uh, I think yeah, I, I agree with you. It's a much better strategy. Yeah. Uh, 
So we reported recently um, an update in an MMIW case we did last year, uh, Chelsea Poorman, and her body was found in Vancouver, um, kind of behind a mansion that has been sitting empty. Mm-hmm. Well, since that happened, you know, they found her body. Of course, they ruled it natural causes or exposure or whatever the hell the usual MMIW, you know, suicide or exposure. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, family and friends are heartbroken about this. And so they've been putting flyers up in the neighborhood where her body was found on light poles and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know, hoping someone might recognize her and be able to give them some more information. Apparently, though, some real jackass neighbors in this community don't like those posters being put up and have been caught on video pulling them down. Yeah. About as fast as these guys could put them up, walking right behind them, pulling them down. And, you know, uh, TikTok does its thing yet again. One Mm -hmm. of the people doing this was a realtor in Vancouver. He was filmed. It was thrown out there on TikTok where he was immediately identified because I'll tell you what, if anybody can find out who someone is, it's mm-hmm. TikTok. He is a realtor in the area and he has been fired from his job mm-hmm. for being so disrespectful to Chelsea Poorman's family and friends and pulling her signs down. Mm-hmm. So I'm very sorry that that's been happening. I'm also very glad there are some consequences mm-hmm. because grow the hell up. Why? Yeah. You know, other than just ignorant racism, mm-hmm. would you not want to help these people? Find out what happened to Chelsea. Yeah. Because, because we don't know what happened to Chelsea. What the police no. said is nothing. And you know? someone killed Chelsea, which right. means there's a killer afoot. Turns out oh, in Lord. this Mitzi neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. So why would you not want to get to the bottom of that if you live there? Right. That just makes me sick. I don't mm-hmm. understand what the hell is wrong with people. That is a discussion that could take, you know, years to Mm -hmm. actually finish. Um, But, you know, this is a world in which you got to be very careful about doing ignorant things because somebody's going to film you and somebody else is going to identify you. And we see people losing jobs all the time for ignorant Mm -hmm. behavior. Mm -hmm. And I'm here for it. I really am. I think we've lost accountability in a lot of ways. And this Mm -hmm. is how we're getting it back. And, mm-hmm. and treating Chelsea Poorman's family like this is is just despicable. Did you see the video out of Florida? Uh, I think in Jacksonville. Mm. Uh, it was a, it's a CCTV, you know, video from uh, a convenience store. A young black woman was in line to pay. And yes. there was an older white man in line behind her that started uh, arresting her and you know, saying racist things to her and just, you know, basically, you know, doing the thing. Mm-hmm. And she turned around and confronted him and told her to leave him alone. And he punched her in the face over and over and over again, right oh. in this convenience store in front of other people. Just, Beat the hell out of her. It was yeah. horrible. Yeah. And <laughs> the police at first were reticent to do anything about it. They were pretty reluctant, reluctant. And they did get on board after they saw the CCTV incident. The convenience store refused to share with her the CCTV film 
footage. They wouldn't share it with, with the victim, but they had shared it with the police and a police officer allowed her to record from her, his phone to her phone to have footage mm -hmm. of what happened to her. And she shared it and it, you know, it went uh, a little viral on TikTok and mm -hmm. some people in Jacksonville identified him and he's now been arrested. This guy shouldn't even be on the freaking streets. No. He's a repeated sex offender. He's got a bunch of uh. convictions for violence, particularly against women. It, he's a horrible pig. Anyway, so he's arrested yet again, and there's good proof this time of what he did. And they are looking at a hate crime uh, because of the, the words he was using and the witnesses that heard the words he was using. So, you know, he's going to be going down the road. But yet again, the police didn't have a clue who he was, and TikTok identified him. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, I, I have mixed feelings about, the police are not doing what we need them to do. So citizens are taking that into their own hands. And, and in a way, I think it's good because it puts us in a place of having a clear understanding of mm -hmm. what's happening in our legal system and with our police. Mm -hmm. But it's also scary. Like at this point, we can't trust the police to be accountable mm -hmm. unless there are other people around with video putting pressure on them mm -hmm. to do the right thing in situations yeah. like this. And that is really, really scary. It's just further proof of the systemic racism that is built into our justice system yeah. that, you know, I we're, we're shining light on it over and over and over again with these incidences, mm -hmm. but is it getting any better? I don't think it is. Yeah. Because the internal, work that needs to be done within our criminal justice system is not being done. Yeah. It's now that individual citizens are holding the police accountable. Mm -hmm. And that can get scary. Well, right. We do not want a vigilante system. That's no, pretty scary. It is. However, people, you know, identifying people that they know, that they recognize, that have committed a crime, or that have you know, harassed people in various ways. Yeah, I'm here for it. Yeah. Definitely. Me too. Me too. Absolutely. And it's an amazing um, possibility, this crowdsourcing that we can do now. Mm -hmm. For sure. And and that is, you know, I mean, I guess the system maybe needs to take note of the mm -hmm. power that people have when they come together on something. Mm -hmm. um, probably time to maybe well, make some better choices. A lot of police departments are utilizing it too, posting videos on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, yeah. asking do you know this person, mm -hmm. you know, and they get identified all the Quickly. time like yep. that. They yep. sure do. Most definitely. So, cause here's the know? thing. If you're doing shit like that, you have burned people and pissed people off in the past and they will have no problem saying, yeah, that's my old neighbor, Johnny. I know him. You yeah. know, it's not He's a real jackass. <laughs> yeah. Here's where yep. he lives now. <laughs> uh <-huh>. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. true. It's true. Because if you're out behaving like that, beating up a stranger in a convenience store, mm -hmm. uh, chances are that you are a jackass in other areas of your life as well. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, and somebody will be gleefully turning you in. Yeah, yeah sure will. Well, uh, Katie, I think there are, we wanted to talk about a few updates in the uh, Uvalde, uh, Texas school shooting at Robb Elementary. Yeah, 
<clears throat> and I know you guys are probably just damn sick of hearing about this case, or maybe you're not, but we'll talk about a handful of things. I wanted to share some good news, uh, if there's any shreds of light from all of this. Uh, Matthew McConaughey, the actor Matthew McConaughey is from Uvalde, Texas, yeah. and he's on the ground. He's there meeting with families, helping wherever he can. Uh, I really honor that, that he's making that kind of a presence there and, you know, trying to be a part of the solution. And I think it means a lot to the people that live there, that he immediately headed there, you know. Yeah. No, just thoughts and prayers on Twitter. He put his boots on the ground and went there to help, which I yeah. think is really cool. Uh, <clears throat> there is a man who makes custom caskets. Yeah. Who met with uh, all of the families and has donated and done 18 of the 19 uh, caskets of children that were killed in Uvalde. Uh, I've seen a handful of them and they're so cool. Superman, dinosaurs. uh, They're specialized for whatever the kids like. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's one that's Bumblebee, the... uh, transformer oh yes it even has wheels on it it's so cool he has just gone above and beyond not just him but a whole community of people that have helped him to transport the caskets to the the blanks to get them where he needed them to uh people volunteering in his workshop working round the clock to get them done i mean the first funeral was on tuesday and you know there's quite a few more today wednesday in the next two weeks all of the funerals will happen um but it's such a, a kindness shown to these families. And, mm-hmm. of course, um, they aren't paying for a red cent of that. No. Uh, well, they're not paying for their funerals either. No. Uh, the funeral home, isn't the funeral home across the street from the school? And they came right out and said, we'll be doing all of these funerals for free. Yes. Uh, also, uh, the... Uh, I have a cat assisting me. <laughs> I'm, I'm not Dallas sure assistant Cowboys. is the right word, but... <laughs> The Dallas Cowboys and the Jones family has made a huge donation to help with all of these things, to help the families to do whatever they can. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's also a federal grant available to completely raise Robb Elementary and rebuild it. Yes. Yeah, they're saying it's very likely that that will happen. Sandy Hook did that. Several of the schools that have had, you know, have like... Uh, torn down at least a building and yes. rebuilt it like no kid should ever have to go to school in that building again no 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 teachers should have to show up in that building again no nobody no. uh the other thing that we are learning because the first initial reports were that there was a door that was propped open that the gunman entered that has turned out to be not quite true there mm-hmm. had been a door propped open a teacher was hauling from food from her classroom out to her car and had propped the door open with a rock so that she could get back in. Well, as she was getting back to her car, she saw him out, you know, entering campus with a gun and she kicked that rock out and pulled the door shut and headed back to her classroom, you know, to (laughs) tell everyone that there was a, a gunman on campus. Well, he still waltzed right through that door. So that door did not lock. And it's, it is a door that has one of the doorknobs, or, you know, like the big bar things, that it should have been a self-locking door, and it didn't lock. So now they're investigating, why didn't that door lock? Was it right. just not pulled shut tight? Uh, it should have shut itself and, and 
locked itself. So, but it's an important note because, and the teacher has never been named, but it's an important note that uh, she did not let the gunman in the building. No. The building let the gunman in the building. So there is some kind of a failure there, but we need to understand what that is. Yeah. Yesterday, authorities announced that the uh, police in Uvalde have stopped cooperating with uh, investigators. Uh, you know, because as we know, the police chief had made a decision to wait, wait, right, and wait it out and let uh, the gunman do what he did for more than 40 minutes. And we've heard all different kinds of versions of the story that he thought mm -hmm. there were no students in that classroom, that they thought he was just barricaded in there. All of it's bullshit because mm -hmm. they could hear the shooting from outside. Mm -hmm. Also, that classroom had windows. I don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, like, come on. It's. Yeah. We also know that in that time, a mother tried to get in. They handcuffed her to prevent her from getting into the school. She eventually talked someone into taking the handcuffs off. She scaled the fence, ran into the school, found her children and a bunch of other kids and evacuated them. Yeah. Another dad who uh, is works in law enforcement but wasn't on this scene, who was at the barber shop, who heard what was happening, took the barber's gun, went there and helped take down the active shooter eventually, but also was able to get his wife, who's a teacher and his children out of the building while the police looked on. It's, yeah. Well, the police looked on except for getting their own kids out of the building. Yeah. It is so damn hard to understand at this point, other than just complete and total cowardice that I just. Well, it's unreal. There were multiple parents handcuffed. Somebody yes. was pepper sprayed. They did everything yes. they could to keep those parents out of that building while they didn't go in. And I don't know if you've heard any of the 911 calls from the kids. Oh my God. But, you know, really be sure you, you're prepared for hearing that if you want to hear them mm. because it's horrifying. And those kids are begging the police to help them. Yep. While the police are standing outside the door. Yep. Yep. You know, the bottom line, one of the things that I've read over and over and over again is that Police are afraid of AR-15s. Police are afraid of semi-automatic weapons because they don't, they feel like they're outgunned. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Well, that's terrifying. Yeah. And obviously needs to be addressed. But mm -hmm. the way this whole thing was handled is absolutely the worst way it could have possibly been handled ever. So there's a huge investigation into it. On clear up to the federal level, mm -hmm. I'm sure we're going to see some heads roll. I, oh know. yeah, oh yeah. It's it's going to doubt what. I'll tell unfortunately, you. it doesn't bring any of those people back, and that's the sad part of this. Right. I mean, finally, the task force that did go in went in against the uh, command of the police chief. Right. Right. They finally they went. Okay, anyway. well, screw this. What are we waiting for? We have to go. Yeah. And. I just wonder about all of the other men under his command that watched this and stood there for 40 minutes hearing gunshots, knowing, hearing yeah. 911 calls, not going in. Yeah. Like, I, I can't. I cannot understand no. it. I will never understand it. Well, I also, I mean, though. 
how many police officers stood around and watched Derek Chauvin kneel on George Floyd's neck until he was dead. You know, we have a real problem in our criminal justice system here Mm -hmm. that when bad decisions are being made, there is no way to overcome that, but just Mm -hmm. stand and watch, which is unfathomable to me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So we'll see. I honestly, I, my first prediction of this was that we would see a lot of police officers, uh, fall into their own pits of mental health uh, crises because of this. Yes, that does uh, worry me a lot. Mm-hmm. Not to mention the people, uh, for example, they. this is a tiny town and they don't, the uh, coroner is just a justice of the peace that had mm-hmm. to do all of the identification and what a horrifying situation. Like there's just so many parts of this that are so unfathomable uh, and then, the funeral home and what they have been through trying to, oh. uh, to, to process these children and the adults, of course, because as we mm-hmm. know, one of the teachers who, who died two days later, her husband had a massive heart attack and died. Yeah. They had four children. They've been married for 24 years. So their kids were, you know, late teen, maybe early twenties. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, somewhere in that range. And, they, but lost both their parents. Two days, both of their parents died. And basically, uh, the, the family, everyone's saying, I mean, he died from a broken heart. This has been such a horrific thing. He had just put flowers on a memorial for her and just died. Yeah. Just couldn't take it anymore. Mm-hmm. Yep. So mm. that's what's coming out of Uvalde. Of course, we'll continue to keep an eye on it, but we wanted to update parts of the story that we had wrong in the beginning because everyone did, uh, you know, (laughs) but we always said and knew this was all emerging information, but. Definitely it is. And, you know, there's always going to be some of that, but, Mm -hmm. but the more information emerges, the worse the situation gets. And Mm -hmm. that's awful. I love that this kitty just really wants to be a part of the show today. She really does. Um, she's normally Rhonda's coworker, and Rhonda took the day off. So apparently oh. she didn't like missing her opportunity to be on video. Mm-hmm. Oh, now she's ready to go. Um, yeah, she's she's a big <laughs> fan of being on video everywhere. She's been in lots of Rhonda's meetings and sessions and stuff. So <laughs> pretty funny. Uh, let's see. So we have several more just insane things happening. So last week there was an incident with a man who tried to enter Taft Elementary School in Santa Ana mm-hmm. or Santa Ana, California. So he tried to enter a school and said he needed to go inside to use the bathroom. And a and a school employee stopped him and said, "Nope, you can't come in here." Yeah. So he went out and he got in his car. And he drove up over a barrier onto the sidewalk and hit a group of young children who were walking to school. This happened around eight o'clock in the morning. Uh, He hit three kids who flew into the air, an 11 year old girl, a nine year old girl, and then a uh, six year old girl. Oh, Um, they, they were all um, transported to the hospital and had minor injuries. So then he hit an SUV with a woman and her 11-year-old daughter inside. 
Um, and another mother who had followed him from the school tried to confront him and he pulled a knife on her. Oh she was God. able to get away unhurt. And when the police arrived, they found him with a self-inflicted stab wound to the stomach. So they took him to a local hospital and they found multiple Molotov cocktails in his car. Oh, for God's sake. Yeah. Uh, this one was bad. How old was this guy? 26. Okay. Oh. And we don't know a lot more about him at this point. Mm -hmm. I'll keep an eye on this story and we'll update it. But I mean, you know, he obviously had a knife on him. I don't know if he had a gun. Um, that hasn't really been determined yet, but, or that I've seen. Um, but he had Molotov cocktails in his car and he was hitting people with that car. I mean, what if it had exploded? Yeah. Right there. And this was a, an elementary yeah. school. I mean, the youngest kid injured was six. Yeah. And ran kids over with his car. My God. Yeah. He yeah. was determined yeah. to kill some kids that day. He was. He was. When they wouldn't let him in the school, he was just going to find another way. Mm -hmm. And then stabbed himself in the gut. I mean. But he lived, right? He's in custody. Oh, yeah. He lived. Yeah. Fool. Oh, my gosh. Well. Yeah. This morning, I was listening to a report about um, a group who is wildly concerned that schools are indoctrinating and brainwashing children, mostly along the ways of the gay agenda and CRT, yeah. okay. you know, these kinds of things. <clears throat> and they are publishing a long list of elementary schools that they believe are guilty of these tactics oh my god mm -hmm. that's terrorism is what that, that is, is terrorism yep holy shit yep and you're putting targets on elementary schools really yep this is where we're at my god yep <sighs> unbelievable yeah and that was that's this week this week they're doing yeah. that I mean, that's, yeah, just as soon as, there have already been several smaller school shootings since yeah. Rob Elementary. Yeah. Honestly, school for, can't get out for the summer fast enough at this point to just slow this down for a second. Yeah. Well, today, or maybe it was yesterday, China made a statement that mm -hmm. the UN needs to get involved with the U.S.'s gun problem because... Uh, the United States apparently cannot get a handle on this themselves mm -hmm. and needs some assistance, which I find very interesting. Wow. China, you guys, a communist country mm -hmm. who is constantly violating people's human rights, mm -hmm. thinks we're doing a shit job. Mm -hmm. Well, so does the rest of the whole world. And because we are. <clears throat> we're the only country in the world that has these problems. Sure are. Because sure. freedom, you're not free to go to school without the fear of being gunned down. You're not free to go to a concert, a club, work, walk down the street. Right. But by God, you have your freedom. Little kids aren't this even safe freedom. in their own schools. Churches, not safe in churches, churches either. No, no. Oh, for, for how many for reasons are many you not reasons. safe in churches? Yeah. yeah. I know. It's yeah. sickening. 
Um, let's see. Oh, you wanted to talk about the Jake Gardner situation. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> this was the first I'd heard of this, but apparently it's been a thing. So Jake Gardner is a guy who he owned a bar and this was just uh, right after the George Floyd murder. There was a bunch of unrest, you know, as we know, in various communities. And this guy owned a bar and he and his dad heard some chaos going on outside of their bar and He walked outside to see what was going on, and there was a scuffle with some people. Uh, Someone had thrown a brick through a plate plate glass window, and Mm -hmm. there was a man there by the name of James Skurlock. James was uh, 22. He was with some friends, and he, one of his friends, had hurled a sign at a plate glass window, Mm -hmm. so... Gardner came out of the bar with his dad uh, and walked down the street to see what was going on. And David just seemed to be looking for a fight. He shoved someone. And so Mr. Skurlock's friend ran up and, and decked him. So David Gardner got up with a knife in his hand. And that's the dad. And then Jake Gardner, mm-hmm. the son, who who's th- 38, was 38, he had a gun and he pulled a gun out and one of the women that was in this group was freaked out by the gun. So she tackled him from behind and knocked him down. So he was laying on his back in a puddle and he fired his gun in the air, which is, he said it was just a warning shot. And then he jumped up and Skurlock jumped on his back and wrapped an arm under his chin and his friends said he was trying to disarm an active shooter you know because he went mm-hmm. into a crowd of people and started firing his gun mm-hmm. and they had an 18 second struggle and Gardner turned his gun over his sho- shoulder and you know, fired over his shoulder and killed Skurlock So immediately the prosecutor said it was self-defense and, you know, Skurlock had him in a chokehold and he had the right to do that. Well, there were a lot of protests about it and the prosecutor eventually appointed a special prosecutor to take it to a grand jury. And the grand jury said, nope, that was murder. And they indicted. Mm. Well, in the meantime, Gardner had moved away and moved to the West Coast to get away from this. He said he had had some uh, death threats and whatever. Anyway, so when they indicted, rather than come back and uh, stand trial for this, he killed himself. Mm. My God, what a horrifying situation. So then his parents sued the they sued the court basically because they said that his uh, constitutional rights had been violated. Basically they said that uh, they caused the courts caused his uh, suicide because they had violated his constitutional rights to a fair trial. Mm -hmm. And the reason that they said that is because 
the pro the special prosecutor Fred Franklin had made a statement to the press basically saying that you know the grand jury felt like this was a racist act and they had found him to be a murderer so they were charging him well of <clears throat> course uh Jake Gardner's parents felt like those were inflammatory statements and now they would never be able to get a fair trial and so they violated his rights to a fair trial by making a statement like that, so they had sued. So just this week, the judge uh, threw out that uh, lawsuit. He dismissed it. He said that uh, there was no case here of wrongful death. And also that what the, pro what the special prosecutor said in the press conference was, a, was directly quoting the grand jury. He wasn't, you know, as inflammatory as his parents thought it was. It wasn't, according to the judge. And so that case has been thrown out. But, uh, yeah, just an ugly, sad, awful situation all the way around. Oh, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's the fear, you know, there's the fear yeah. of, you know, oh, the good guy with a gun. Guys, this does not work out in people's favor, the whole no. good guy with a gun, in so many ways. And this is one of them. Mm-hmm. That's just, it's so sad for everybody involved. Well, what a it's terrible... a string of bad decisions that resulted in two men's deaths and mm. anguish for so many families. Mm. And it's just, it's awful. It is. But at any rate, the, the judge did not see any wrongdoing on the part of the courts or the prosecutors. So it's been thrown out. So that's what we know. Wow. I, I don't even know what to say. That's just, I know. The whole thing is horrible. Yeah, the whole thing is horrible. Without a doubt, just so many hurting people. And and he noted, you know, of course, uh, Jake's parents are hurting and they're horrified and they're full of grief and they want some some justice to be had. But there is no justice in, in at least in the eyes of the court. There, there's no wrongdoing. Yeah, but I mean, there's legal wrongdoing and then there's moral and ethical wrongdoing. Yeah. You know, and one of the things that you have to be really, really careful about is what's said publicly, you know, yeah. and we've seen that with the Daybell yeah. Vallow case, particularly because we followed it so closely. Sorry, my cat's mm -hmm. tail. She keeps either purring into my mic or smacking my mic with her tail. <laughs> so naughty. <laughs> She's really helping a lot today. Mm -hmm. well, we have to be really careful about what's said in the media and, and think about that. These are real live people being impacted by the things that are said. Mm -hmm. And, and saying what the grand jury said, nah, that's a little sketchy to me. Mm -hmm. <coughs> yeah. Because he wasn't convicted. He was indicted. Yeah. And so to say that this was racially motivated or to say whatever that stuff, mm -hmm. none of that was actually proven. I, I just think that mm -hmm. that went too far. He did go too far. Yeah. He did go too far. And normally what's said in a grand jury, other than the indictment itself, is kept private until the trial. Yeah. So I find that is a, is a big overreach. Well, the rights of the accused have to be upheld. And, you know, mm -hmm. like you said, we've been saying this in the Daybell Vallow case from the beginning. Yeah. Well, it's like when the prosecutor did say some things to Lori's sister that, you know, caused the defense to work really hard to get him removed from the case, which didn't work, mm -hmm. but... He did say some kind of questionable things to Lori's sister that didn't did. need to be said. And yes, the rights of the accused have to be upheld. And if you don't like that, I don't know what to tell you. Because if it was you, 
that was accused or, or one of your family members, you would want them to be upheld. Regardless of what people are accused of, we still have to be very careful about their rights. And th this is why. Yeah, this is why. This is one of many reasons why. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Just horrifying. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of horrifying, one more for you. This happened in Missouri. This was in Kansas City. So police had a report of an armed carjacking in a family dollar parking lot. And they came and confronted uh, a woman and a man that were in a car. The man jumped out of the car and ran away. The woman got out and, according to eyewitnesses, stood with her hands in the air. She uh, is 26. And she said, there's a firearm in the car, but I am not armed. Mm -hmm. They told her to lay down on the ground and she said, I can't, I'm pregnant. And somewhere in the midst of trying to handcuff her, they shot her five times. Oh, my God. Unarmed, reporting she's pregnant. Now they're saying there's no proof she is. Well, I don't even think that's their business. She lived. No. She's in yeah. the hospital, but she has survived. But there was an eyewitness, someone sitting in their car who saw the whole thing, who wow. says that she did not have a gun, that she had her hands mm -hmm. up the entire time, and they shot her five times. Yeah. I don't care if she did carjack the car. You don't get to shoot her five times when she's no. unarmed and reporting pregnant. Yeah. You know what? If I were a black woman being um, detained by the police, I would probably say I was pregnant too. Yeah. Because that might, might make them pause. Might save your life. But then might. again, apparently not. Well, she lived, but she's, yeah. you know seriously injured and well yeah you don't get shot five times and be okay and be okay no um so pretty horrifying situation yet again mm -hmm. shoot first ask questions later is just the mantra of the police i'm so tired of these stories mm -hmm. uh so tired of them yeah. it just makes me so angry unless it's a school with you know 19 children barricaded in a classroom right well, more than 19, but, you know, mm -hmm. unless it's a class of fourth graders barricaded in a classroom in Texas. And apparently then we just uh, let all the shooting happen and then ask questions. Yeah, apparently. I oh, know good. that there are lots of good police officers out there. I know that. And I know that sometimes it might seem like we're a little biased against the police on this show. Unfortunately, a lot of what we report on, it's not the good stuff, you know. And I know I, I don't I don't want to come across as being so jaded. It's but unfortunately that's what we're getting, you know. Well, that, that those are the reports that are coming out and it's And the problem is is very that concerning. it's the system is fucked. Yeah. And even if you are a good cop, if you stand there for 45 minutes while somebody's mm -hmm. killing kids, are you a good cop? Yeah. Are you a good cop if you stand there and are complicit during George Floyd's murder. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't know it, if you're yeah. not bucking the system as a police officer and trying to make these, trying to make changes in these situations, 
are you a good cop? Yeah. Because you're complicit. Yeah. And that's the problem that I have, you know, is that just being working within that system makes you complicit with a lot of, you know, institutional racism that Mm -hmm. just, I don't know. Yep. I'm just tired of seeing these cases. Just makes me Me sick. too. 100%. Yeah. Well, that is everything that we have for you. Well, we have Uh, one DNA. Oh, DNA for the win. I'm sorry. We have DNA. No, it is not the only thing we have. DNA for the win. (laughs) We do. And uh, I want to thank listener Anna for posting this in the uh, the group. Yes, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So this was a double homicide that happened in 2009. Uh, Two women were shot to death in their apartment. uh, Christine McWhorter and Beatrice Daniels. And they lived in Mount Union, Pennsylvania. And at the time of their deaths, there was some blood spatter that didn't match either of them, that they knew matched an unknown male. And sometime around 2011, 2012, they were able to take a look at that and discover uh, that, at least know that the blood would have belonged to an African-American man with green eyes and a light complexion. So they knew that much, but that's all they knew for Mm -hmm. quite a while. So back again in 2018, they went ahead and ran it through uh, the system yet again and started doing some genealogical uh, DNA work Mm -hmm. with uh, Parabon, you know, Mm -hmm. Parabon, the the superhero lab Parabon. Of all of this. Mm -hmm. Or sorry, 2016 is when they turned it over to Parabon. Mm -hmm. And... So that's when they first decided, uh, you know, what he would look like. So then in 2019, they went ahead and ran it through again, or 2018, ran it through again and did the genetic genealogy and tracked it back to a guy by the name of Morico Johnson. And so they really were careful and did their homework. So they were able to get a DNA sample from him by asking him for it. Uh, you know, a lot of times they don't do that. They'll watch you until you throw out a coffee cup or something and run, grab it and get your DNA that way. Right. They actually interviewed him. And he said that he was uh, dating the best friend of one of the uh, the victims at the time. And he willingly gave his DNA. Mm. Well, uh, it matched. So... <laughs> He then they started tracking more circumstances, learning uh, that he was an avid gun owner and had been a security guard. His uh, half brother told the police that he was well acquainted with guns and owned guns. Mm-hmm. And the brother told them that uh, their late father owned the same kind of gun used in the killings and that he inherited that gun. Wow. So. They were able to really kind of gather, you know, a a pretty fair amount of uh, evidence up. And they did go ahead and charge him in these murders. One of the things he learned is that uh, his then-girlfriend at the time, who was best friends with one of these girls, she was supposed to go stay with them this weekend. 
but had then decided instead to go stay with her lover because she was cheating on him. And she told the police that it was about that time that he learned that she'd been cheating on him. Mm -hmm. And so the question is, was this a revenge killing because they, she'd been using them as an excuse so that she could go be with her boyfriend or did he think she was there Mm-hmm. had learned that she'd been cheating and went there to kill her and killed these two instead. Yeah, it does make you wonder. The, the, the authorities think it was one of those scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, unbelievable that the girlfriend hasn't said anything until now. Sure. Surely she had some suspicions. I would imagine so. You think? Maybe not. I mean, they broke up shortly thereafter. Uh, maybe she's been afraid for her own safety. I don't know. Pretty interesting case, but DNA for the win. DNA managed to hopefully put a killer behind bars now. So he's been tried, but he hasn't been to trial yet. Wow. Or sorry, he's been charged, but he's not been to trial yet. Wow. Interesting. Also interesting that he's actually alive and mm-hmm. charged and 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 can face some justice for this. Like right? how often these DNA cases, we don't even get to you know, the, the perpetrator's already dead. Yeah. Well, it's not a super old case, 2009. Yeah, it's not. Which also means that, uh, you know, the, the DNA was gathered and, and preserved yeah. properly so that these things could happen. Sure. Wow. It's very interesting. Yeah. So there you go. Well, thank you. At least you that we can end on some good news. <laughs> All right. Well, of course, this is Wednesday Night Case Updates. We will be back tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Mountain for a live stream. Uh, My friend, Dr. J.J. Kelly, is going to be joining me again because Katie's going to be away at the Witch's Market. Yes. I'm really jealous because this means I don't get to go to the Witch's Market. I know. um, Which I would like to. Uh, But we will be doing marching orders. um, Mm -hmm. And because it is will be the first Thursday of the month. So you're going to want to join us for that. And, of course, we will be back next week with all of our usual shenanigans. Of course we will. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you all for being here. And you know it. We are True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Have a great day. (laughs) Take care.